Welcome to Heart of the Cloud by Cloudonaut. We are your hosts, Andreas and Michael Wittig. Our weekly show is all about the latest AWS news and recent experiences building with AWS. On top of that, we are answering your questions at the end of the show, so use the hashtag AskCloudonaut on Twitter or send us a direct message via LinkedIn. Uh, in case you're watching this live, also feel free to use the chat to ask your questions there. So, uh, Michael, we discussed in the pre-show already, uh, we talked about reInvent already a little bit, and um, um, obviously, so there was a lot of announcements during reInvent. We have picked some of them that we found the most interesting. Uh, definitely, the list is not complete, <laughs> that's for sure. No. <laughs> this, is, uh, this is our selection uh, of the things. Um, and let's go through um, our um, findings. So the first one, I think this was announced during Werner's keynote, is um, announcing Amazon Code Catalyst. And um, uh, the first warning, this is still in preview. So usually, Michael, I'm, I'm making, again, an exception from our rule that we're not talking about <laughs> previews, <coughs> but <coughs> I found it interesting. So, um, But it's, it's in public preview, so you can try it out without any registration. You can just use it. It's just not basically a production-ready service. So what does Code Catalyst do? So as the name implies already, it, it belongs to the code services family on AWS. So it has something to do with your source code and developing uh, applications for AWS. <coughs> and it basically combines uh, all the things that you need for a software development project. So it, uh, it starts with blueprints. So in Code Catalyst, you will find a list of blueprints for common things that uh, people are building. So stuff like a single page application, a backend, REST backend, and so on. And you can just with the click of a button spin up a project, pre-configured with everything you need. So it's as far as I've seen, it's using CDK for the infrastructure as code, but it also comes then with um, deployment pipeline configuration and all you need basically to get that running on AWS. So that is, I think, the idea. Besides the blueprint, it includes a source code management. It includes a dev environment. This is something I found interesting. Actually, I have never used it. So it, it um, provides remote dev environments for you. So you can either use Cloud9 or also Visual Studio Code, for example, that then connects to this um, remote uh, development environment where you then can run your, I don't know, uh, your stuff. So this sounded uh, interesting to me. Uh, it's very easy to use. Unfortunately, it didn't work for me. So I don't know why I didn't get, <laughs> I wasn't able to get it up and running. Okay, but that's maybe it's because it's preview or because I uh, only had half an hour to get that up and running. And then um, what it also includes, it contain, uh, includes the CI/CD infrastructure. So you can build um, deployment pipelines there as well. They're also pre-configured deployment pipelines. The one that I um, got um, uh, in my project was not working. There was something missing. There were some errors showing up. The, basically, the YAML uh, definition was not um, valid. I don't know why. So basically, the blueprint was not... I think it's just not ready. The service is not yet 100% ready. So that's what I uh, assume. Um, yeah, and then it also contains stuff like issue trackers. Um, yeah, so basically, it's intended to provide you everything you need for your software development circle. Um, okay. And um, yeah, so as I said, I tried to, to use it. I, I spin up a single page application project with it. Um, it feels a little strange. So 
I'm not sure. I assume they have bought some company uh, and Code Catalyst came out of that. I'm not 100% sure about that. I couldn't find it uh, any anything in, by Googling. Um, but um, it feels like the Code Catalyst is its own application. Then you need to connect it to your AWS account. Actually, it feels a little like uh, connecting Marble to an AWS account. <laughs> so um, there's some, uh, some, it's not really embedded into your AWS account, at least yet. And yeah, I set up the single page application and... As I said, the dev environment, I couldn't connect to it. The deployment pipeline didn't work, but I see where this is going to. So it includes the CDK for an S3 bucket for CloudFront. It includes a React project already that is pre-configured. So I think, yeah, that is interesting. Um, then I looked into the pricing very quickly. So um, th I think the idea is that it's free for uh, small projects. So for example, you get 60 hours dev environment per month per space. Um, and then uh, if you want more than that, you pay per user and, per, uh, and for the compute that you use um, on top of a certain amount that you get for free um, with it. Yeah, so um, overall, I would say um, this looks interesting. Uh, it's not yet ready, so you really shouldn't use it yet. Um, so I think it's interesting where this is going to. The overall user experience, so as this integrates everything, actually a little bit like GitHub is doing as well. So to have the source code there, you have your CI/CD pipeline there and the issues and so on. So this felt a lot better than what we have so far with code build, code um, commit and so on. Um, so yeah, so I, I'm really interested in where this is going to and looking forward to see this uh, channel available and production ready. Okay, that sounds interesting. Andreas, when you say CI, CD capabilities, is this then kind of on top of code pipeline and code build, or is this not visible? It's, I don't know 100%. So as far as I can okay. tell, they are not just provisioning the other services. It seems to be mm -hmm. abstracted away from us. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. So um, the, the news item I uh, looked uh, into a little bit is about um, creating point-to-point uh, -point integrations um, between event producers and consumers with Amazon EventBridge pipes. So EventBridge is really a service that is kind of one of the, I would say, most innovative services on AWS in the last year. So they release new stuff constantly. And at least for me, they release it in a way that really makes sense for me. Um, so um, what is this new capability pipes about? So basically, in very simple terms, what you can do is you can connect a source um, with a target. So whenever an event pops up at the source, you can do something and it is uh, automatically uh, pushed to the target. And you don't need custom code to do that. So sources that are supported, for example, are DynamoDB streams, Kinesis streams, and then the Amazon MQ um, service. So for both um, ActiveMQ and I think RabbitMQ, um, then Kafka is supported, both uh, the um, self-managed as well as the uh, AWS managed like MSK service um, and as well um, SQSQs are supported. So those are your event sources. And then you can, if you wish, it's optional, can define a filter. So only for certain events you can do uh, something. And only um, events that match the filter are then later built. And there's an, another optional step after the filter. It's the so-called enrichment step. And here you can, for example, invoke an event print API event bridge API destination. So this can basically reach anything that has an HTTP endpoint, uh, as well as an API gateway, uh, which is kind of more or less the same kind of thing. It doesn't support private API gateways, so keep that in mind. You can also uh, call a Lambda function, or you can invoke a step function, a state machine. Um, 
So uh, one limitation that I found is that the response is limited to six megabyte of data, but I think that's kind of a reasonable uh, amount of data. And of course, you can also have import transformation. So if you only want to pass certain kind of type of information from your input into the enrichment that works as well and what i really like is that like if you're using event bridge with the input transformation feature like for rules um, for example there's always two things that you have to define one is a so-called template and then there was uh, something called an inputs path map and basically what you did is in the inputs path map you specified it uh, all the uh, kind of variables that you then could use in your input template. And this was kind of cumbersome. And now you can just like in your template, you can use a JSON path that starts with dollar dot, and then you can kind of navigate down the tree, the JSON tree. And that's all you need to do. So it feels much more kind of um, natural to me to use it. So that's really cool. And once you have the data enriched, you can then invoke a target. And targets are all kinds of things, including, and this is just a list of stuff that's supported, there's many more uh, that is supported. Again, you can make an API call, uh, you can uh, publish an event to EventBridge, you can add something to a Kinesis stream, you can publish to an SNS topic or SQS. And again, this also supports input transformation. Um, so this is uh, what the service is about. So if you uh, want to react to an event um, and then do something else in the other system, that a new pipes feature is probably something you uh, want to uh, check out. Um, in the blog post, it was mentioned that there's CloudFormation support. I, I couldn't find it in the CloudFormation docs, so maybe the docs are not yet up to date. But it seems to be available in all regions. It also seems to be uh, supported in CloudFormation in a couple of days at least. So that's the good news here. So that's it, Andreas. So Michael, one question about that. So do you think we can make use of it anywhere in our projects? Yeah, so I thought about that as well. Um, I'm not, I'm not completely sure yet. So I, I definitely think we have use cases for it, but um, I'm, I, I haven't found a good one yet. Okay. So because I couldn't but think because, of one, one as well. <laughs> so I was. Yeah, I mean, if, yeah. One thing that I was um, thinking about is if, if you could create a webhook system with that. Mm -hmm. So a customer defines a webhook. What you do is you basically subscribe to an I don't know what your source is, an SNS topic or something, or an SQS queue. And then you create a pipe and invoke the API endpoint, which is the customer's webhook endpoint. Mm -hmm. And then this kind of thing magically takes care of all the, the, the problems that arise with that, like read, rise, mm -hmm. things like that. And it also supports stuff like, um, depending on the source, like if the source doesn't have um, um, that letter queue support, it supports that letter queues and things like that. Um, so it's really cool, uh, but I'm, I mean, I haven't really thought through it if it's really possible, but this was one of my first ideas. Mm -hmm. um, but we are actually in, in the current projects, like not in the current mm -hmm. projects, but in our products, we don't offer webhooks. Mm -hmm. So that's not an, a problem for us. But in the past, like in projects, it was a pro uh, problem. Mm -hmm. So that was one idea that I had, but uh, okay. not entirely sure if it, if it really would solve my problem. Okay. I have to check out the limits and stuff before I, I really recommend doing that. Okay. Okay, so yeah, um, I'm continuing um, with another preview. <laughs> Sorry, Michael. <laughs> so this is another announcement that it's still in preview. So introducing AWS Application Composer. Um, basically, what this is all about, this is just another graphical user interface to generate infrastructure as code. So I think we've seen some um, approaches on that over the years. Uh, people are trying to build 
UIs to generate um, infrastructure as code. This is another one. Its main focus is um, the uh, serverless application model and uh, cloud formation. So, yeah, this is a graphical user interface where you can drag and drop the components of your architecture, um, combine them, um, uh, and so on. So, um, it looks very nice. I <laughs> so it, it really also it, it it worked very good. Um, so you could uh, arrange your stuff there. You could draw the lines between your resources and so on. The the source code it generated uh, looked looked good to me. So it generated IAM policies as well. They were uh, following uh, least privilege principles where possible, at least uh, from what I've seen. So overall, it looked uh, quite good. I just did a very simple example with an um, API gateway, a Lambda function, and an S3 bucket. But the output of that looked uh, very promising. Um, but I, I think the problem with that tool, as with all the other graphical user interface for code, is um, that you will reach the end of the supported resources and properties very quickly. And then, basically, the tool does not help anymore. So I'm... Yeah, I don't. I don't see that this will add a huge value. Maybe it helps a little bit to get started because you get a feeling. So there is infrastructure as code, and this is how I can um, get started. And maybe it helps to get not not to get to frustration too too quickly, because you are able to to get up and running and create your first cloud formation template. Yeah. So I think it's not too imp not a too important uh, release, but yeah, interesting um, and. Um, it's a good thing to showcase somewhere. It's a good thing to. It looks very good, so that's probably <laughs> the main purpose of the thing. So if you um, try to convince someone about infrastructure as code and you want to make sh uh, make make sure you have to show something, then this might be helpful. Yeah. So that's it already, Michael. But Andreas, what do you think? Like, what's the difference um, if you compare it to CloudWatch Designer? I mean, you mentioned it looks it looks good, so that's kind of a difference. Yeah. And I think it is more kind of purpose built for serverless applications. Yeah. Or what are the differences? Yeah, I think uh, it, it look it it's mo it looks more modern. It 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 works. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks modern in the browser. It it worked well, and it also it's yeah it's focusing on the on the serverless application model. Um, so as mm -hmm. the, they don't include any other resources there um, okay. that are not. Um, typical for serverless applications so i think that's the main difference i don't know if that's um if they were planning to stop there or if they want to expand the functionality i don't know mm -hmm. uh, but as often the problem is <laughs> if they really want to go into the detail and uh, really cover all the resources that are available that's a lot of work and i doubt that aws yeah. will, will go that path yeah okay so what i also find interesting is that this is kind of I mean, it comes from the SAM, like the serverless application model kind of direction, mm. right? So, and and this is really like kind of, I mean, SAM and CDK and and I don't know, mm. they they seem to support both actively working on both kind of products at the moment, mm. which is also interesting. So, um, I'm I'm not entirely um sure if they should focus on something or just, I mean, I, I would say it's much easier everything. to get started with SAM than. Yeah. getting all that uh, CDK stuff up and running. I don't know. Maybe that's the yeah. reason. And also a lot of people okay. are using SAM already. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. All right, Andrea. So the next one from, from my list here is um, Step Functions Distributed Map. Um, and then the subtitle is A Serverless Solution for Large-Scale Parallel Data Processing. So, Andreas, I know that you used a step function or you defined a step function using the map um, state 
type, right? Mm -hmm. And basically what you did is you iterated over a list of S3 buckets and for every S3 bucket you started another step function, right? Yes, absolutely. That's what we did for uh, bucket AV because there we have an add-on yeah. that scans through all objects and uh, our customers asked, scan all objects in all buckets. And so we had to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, this is now called a so-called inline map. Um, so inline means that uh, like the the list you iterate over is passed down as a state input. And this is limited in, in, in many ways, um, the, the inline map state um, type. So a couple of um, examples is you can only run 40 uh, or you can process 40 items uh, concurrently. Um, the, the input size is limited. Um, I think it's, uh, I don't want to say something wrong here, but the, it, the size is limited. So that's probably what I can say to a couple, uh, like tens of mega, uh, kilobytes. And the, those are the limitations. And you also, everything that happens inside the map iteration is counted towards the 25,000 event history um, limit. And we talked about this a couple of times. So <laughs> remember, this is a very important limit when you use step functions. Um, okay, and with this new distributed map, things work a little bit different. So first, the input can still be kind of passed as uh, from an output of a previous state. But, and this is where it gets interesting, it can also be a file on S3, basically. Um, so for example, a CSV file, it can also be a JSON file, so basically an array, um, um, and then it picks all the items from the array. And also what's interesting, um, they natively can uh, walk through an S3 object, like list all the, op the, the objects, basically. The, the S3 object list is kind of a native source for um, this new distributed mapped type. And also it supports Amazon S3 inventory files. So this is a feature of S3. Basically, once a day, it, it creates a large list of, of all your uh, files in an S3 bucket. So if you, if you really want to um, walk through an S3 bucket um, many times a day or something like this, then it's much cheaper than calling the S3 API, for example. Um, so that's the first thing that changed. And what also changed is that now they support uh, iterating over one, up to 100 million items. So that seems to be the upper bound at the moment. And in the blog post, they also mentioned that the file limit is 10 gigabytes. I couldn't find this anywhere in the docs. So I, I'm not entirely sure on this limit. If it's, I mean, it's in the blog post, but it's not anywhere else in the docs. Um, so maybe there's also a limit on the file size. Um, um, what else changed is that you can now work on up to 10,000 items at a time. And then always what the blog post mentioned is assuming that the downstream service supports that. So for example, if the downstream service stack for each item you invoke a Lambda function, then like 10,000 uh, concurrent running functions is at least by default not possible. So the, I think the default is uh, 1,000. Uh, you can increase it, but um, you have to take care of that. Um, and then each iteration of the map is a child execution. And this is not counted um, towards the parent's history event limit. So basically, each kind of yeah, each iteration produces its own history, kind of. Um, and the iteration can also be like a. I think there are two. Uh, there are two kind of two kinds of <laughs> step functions. Um, one is, I don't know how it is actually called, the standard one, and then there's the express one, right? Mm -hmm. And and you can configure that if you could, for example, iterate over this um, input using express workflows. Um, okay, so that's another um, thing to keep in mind. And another thing to keep in mind, sorry for that, is that it is only supported in 10 AWS regions. So it's not yet kind of usable uh, across all regions. 
I will not read through the list, but um, the ones that we are interested in, Andreas, are, are working. So US East uh, is 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 supported, um, um, and also um, Ireland and Frankfurt. And the pricing model works like this: so you pay one state transition per iteration. Um, so if you if you, for example, iterate over one hundred million million items, you will pay for one hundred million um, state transitions. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, this is kind of a perfect fit for the the use case that you mentioned uh, at the beginning, Andreas, like iterating over an S3 bucket. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do with bucket. If we write, we iterate through an S3 bucket and submit all the files as scan Mm -hmm. jobs to SQS. And I think that that could be um, uh, kind of solving lots of uh, problems for us. But the thing that kind of bugs me is that is 100 million items limit. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't like that because that's actually lower than what we support at the moment. Mm -hmm. That's um, true. <laughs> so yeah, that's a little uncool. Do you, but do you know is that a hard limit or a soft limit? But it doesn't really matter because the customers are rolling it out to their accounts. So yeah, yeah. I think it's kind of a hard limit. So it, it was it was not mentioned that as a quota. It's kind of just in the docs. Okay, okay. that's up to one hundred mm. million, and that's it. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's it. So. I also like um, saw a use case on on Twitter uh, or on social, or like on Mastodon. Actually, um, there is uh, someone trying to build functionality to migrate DynamoDB tables easily with that function. But basically, for every mm-hmm. item, they kind of spin up um, a lambda function and do the migration. I mean, it it is. I would think it is kind of insanely expensive, even for our use case. Mm-hmm. But uh, I will try to figure that out. But could you do something? Is it possible? Do you have to iterate over each object or could you also go over a batch of objects? Isn't that possible as well? Or is that not intended? I think batching... Uh, I'm I'm not sure, okay. actually. I don't think it's possible. That might, that's okay. actually what we do right now, right? We do we yeah. go over, I don't know, each page is, I don't know, 100 or 1,000 uh, elements. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I, I'm not entirely sure, but I don't think it's possible, to be honest. Mm. Uh, I just wrote, I'm a little bit um, uh, or not hundred percent sure because I, I I read something about batching, but I think it was in the pipe stocks. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so pipes <laughs> uh, seems to support batching. Okay. But yeah, not so let's look into it um, to yeah. see if we can um, use that for the current yeah. functionality. Okay, Andreas, what else do you? Okay, have so the last list? one um, is um, announcing Amazon Open Search Serverless Preview, and this got my attention for a reason because um, we are running our own Mastodon instance, and I've created or we have created some infrastructure as code to spin that up, and one part that is still missing is um, basically an Elasticsearch. Um, server because then you could um, better filter or search through uh, all your posts and stuff there and I was thinking oh that that sounds cool we now have open search serverless so that could solve the issue um, of spinning up an expensive elastic search cluster just for that little functionality um, but uh, <laughs> it turns out that first of all then open search serverless is not a serverless offering in the classic sense so the monthly baseline costs are 690 US dollars. So yeah, I don't know. That's great. That's, that's definitely not a serverless service in my opinion. Um, and then what do you get for these $690? You get four so-called open search compute units. So those translate to 25 gigabyte memory. And Michael... Do you want to have a guess? What does it cost <laughs> to spin up an Elastic or Open Search instance with 24 gigabyte of memory, roundabout? 
Um, I think maybe fifty dollars. <laughs> a, li- a little more. So, so t- um, um, as far as I've calculated, so twenty-four gigabyte memory. Um, this would cost you about um, two hundred and eighty dollars per month uh, on oh. Elasticsearch with on-demand <laughs> notes, by the way, not with yes. reserved or anything. Um, yeah, so you pay more, you, you double the costs <laughs> by switching to serverless for the same amount of compute power. So yeah, I don't mm-hmm. know. So this is another, in my opinion, um, I would. Uh, this is really a bad deal in my opinion. So it's comparable to overall serverless version two and to Neptune serverless. Um, actually, I think you will. You will. It's very. It's very um, hard to find a scenario where you can really reduce your costs by switching to <laughs> this serverless offerings. Uh, so mm. first of all, they are not serverless because you you you're not as it's it's not serverless at all. And then um, um, it's it's really hard to find a scenario where this really turns out. So you need a scenario where you need very huge compute power uh, for very little uh, time. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then, still the problem is that the baseline that you have to provision is quite high. So I don't know, scaling up manually for those periods of time would be much more efficient and much more cost efficient as well. So, so actually, I don't see um, where this is helping. I, I'm, I'm really so. If anyone is using those serverless offerings and found it to be price competitive with on-demand and reserved, please reach out to me because I, I, I cannot calculate i didn't come came up with any scenario that where this is actually a good deal yeah okay so that's okay cool thing andreas <laughs> not so cool thing <laughs> so, so act, actually there's know. a there's a blog post around on my to-do list um i want to i have to write about that and um uh, i have a f- few uh, calculations and i think i need to share that so and, okay. and they should stop calling that serverless that's really i don't know misleading actually all okay. right. So, Andreas, I think it's time for a, a short break here. So, um, we have um, uh, partners that um, have job offerings for you. So, if you're looking for a new job, and uh, we can um, definitely assure you that AWS expertise is in high demand. So, the two um, two job um, offerings here is um, the first one is from our partner TechRacer. And they are hiring cloud consultants focusing on AWS serverless. So if that is your kind of thing, and you also kind of probably noticed that this is our thing because we picked a lot of um, news from this area, then you should apply um, and uh, you should uh, enjoy uh, kind of developing using serverless services like Lambda, API, Gateway, AppSync, DynamoDB, and also the CDK. You can join TechRacer in uh, Germany, Hanover, Duisburg, Frankfurt, Hamburg, Munich, as well as in uh, Vienna, Lisbon, and Lucerne. So um, feel free to apply if that's uh, something that is interesting to you. And also our partner Demicon is looking for a senior lead cloud solutions architect AWS working remotely from Germany or the EU. So if um, you are into infrastructure as code with Terraform and uh, as well as containers with AKS and ECS, then this is for you. Demicon is one of the largest uh, technical consultants, uh, consulting teams in uh, and leading Atlassian full-service provider uh, in the German, Swiss, and Austria region. So become part of the team uh, with a focus on cloud technologies. Uh, you can find links to both job descriptions in the show notes. And this is, I think, the best time in the year to apply to a new job. So if you are looking for a change, um, this should be definitely be something that you tackle between this and next year, right? So, um, yeah, feel free to check them out. 
So, Andreas, do we have anything else here before we kind of close? So, Michael, uh, I'm very sorry. I totally missed up one thing. So, I yes. set our YouTube stream to private. <laughs> yes, I noticed it. <laughs> This is why no one could join <laughs> the stream. So, we don't have any questions in the chat. Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, this was really... Okay, no worries. <laughs> so, we can go over the questions next yes. time, right? So, 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 if you have a question, write a comment and we will answer it in next the next time. show or and also like in the, like in the comments. Yeah, yeah, I'm very sorry about that. So, I will do better next time. Um, yeah, so that's it. We'll be back next week. Subscribe to your newsletter, or podcast, or this YouTube channel to make sure you're not missing the upcoming shows. And I'm promising to um, publish the next one as public so you can <laughs> join. Um, we want to thank our supporters who make this show possible. Please consider supporting our work with a recurring or one-time donation as well. You will find everything you need in the show notes, um, also about the job descriptions. Thanks for your attention. Bye. Yes, and before you kind of uh, stop watching, uh, let us know what's your favorite uh, reInvent announcement as well in the comments. That would be great. And so that's it from me as well. Bye. See you next time. Bye.